There has been a lot of talk about handguns and handgun bans and how do we crack down on firearms, especially in the city of Toronto and southern Ontario. It's such a scourge. Well, our investigative team here at Global News has looked into how illegal handguns actually come in the country. And to do that, they looked at a specific gun, the path of one gun and the devastation that it caused. Involved in the death of an 18-year-old carpenter's apprentice in June of 2015, and then a month later, involved in another death. To talk about it, and by the way, you can read this on globalnews.ca right now, and we'll have a story on it tonight on Global News at 5.30. To talk about it is my colleague Tracy Tong, Global News anchor. Welcome to the program. Hi, Alan. Good to talk to you again, as if I don't talk to you enough every day. <laughs> it's, tr- it's true. I'm like, oh, not this guy again. Um, <laughs> tell me what we found out about this particular gun and what happened with it. Yeah, so we really wanted to examine, Alan, one gun to understand the larger picture here. But we really need to follow this path to look into how it got here and understand on a larger scale how gun trafficking and smuggling works and purchasing across the border in the United States. So let's take you back to the crimes that were actually committed here. And you mentioned in June 2015, there was an 18-year-old carpenter's apprentice. His name was Jeremy Cook. He lost his cell phone or left it behind in a taxi one day. Uh, And using an app, just like anybody would, tracked it to a vehicle that was parked in a parking lot Uh, just outside of a McDonald's and Tim Hortons. Um, And when he got to that vehicle, there were three men inside. They wouldn't return the cell phone. And instead they drove off. Jeremy Cook held on to that car and he was shot dead, trying to get his own cell phone back. A month later, and in a different city, now we're talking about Toronto, a 14-year-old girl named Lisa Ross was killed by way of accidental discharge by a 13-year-old. So these were two um, homicides seemingly unrelated, but we now know that it was that they were both actually tied by one firearm. So our story delves into this firearm and the path and how it got here to two different cities in Ontario, taking the lives of two teenagers. Uh, what we uncovered along the way was that it was actually one of more than 30 guns purchased by a man named Jermaine Welsh in Michigan um, at a number of gun stores and gun shows in that uh, in that um, state, and that he worked with several others, and they all purchased more than 100 guns over the span of five months and brought them over into Canada. Now, we wanted to understand um, how they were able to do that. Jermaine Welsh and another uh, co-defendant in this case are actually Canadian, and um, they were able to purchase these guns uh, through a way of what the ATF calls lying and buying. It turns out that when you purchase a gun over there, uh, it's, it's not that difficult to lie and to get your hands on a gun. You have to fill out, if you're buying a handgun, um, what's called a, a purchase uh, transaction record. And on it, it asks you questions like if you are a U.S. citizen, if you are, in, if you're buying it in Michigan, if you're a resident of Michigan, if you are a felon, um, all sorts of questions. If you mark down something that's untruthful, how does the vendor or the dealer actually know? And the answer is they don't really. They'll run you through an FBI background check, but if the ID that you have provided them is fake, nothing is flagged. So, so that's how that, that's one of the things that, that we um, revealed on our in our investigation. 
um, that it really isn't that hard to get your hands on a firearm, even if you're not a U.S. citizen. Hmm. I, you know, at the beginning of this, I, I really thought as I was beginning reading through your, your excellent piece is that I was going to find out it had been smuggled in a, you know, and in, in the back of a car somehow or like, it, but, but this is not what we found. I'm, I'm wondering what you found most surprising about it. Yeah. And you bring up a good point. If people wonder how these guns make them across, make their way across the border. And uh, the answer to that is all sorts of ways. I mean, in this particular case, um, authorities believe that it was smuggled in a passenger vehicle and just right across the uh, Detroit Windsor border on the ambassador bridge. They are also often smuggled. You know, we've heard of stories uh, of guns being wrapped in plastic and being put into the gas tank. And a woman was actually caught a couple of years ago for bringing 25 guns in a gas tank wrapped in plastic. Um, There are compartments that are easily taken apart in vehicles. Um, I know certain, you know, Toyotas have like compartments that you can just take out and and hide things in um, and you put them back up. And the reality is, if you're not flagged by this, the, the border security officers as someone that they should look into, um, chances are you're not getting stopped. I mean, how many times have you crossed the border and were secondary and have your entire and had your entire car checked, was, right? Yeah. Yeah. So really it comes down to intelligence and authorities knowing who to target. So a lot of those smugglers, and we hear of gun seizures at the border, we do hear of those. Uh, more than 1,100 were actually seized at the border uh, last year. So those seizures often come from intelligence and investigations and knowing who to look for. And chances are when some of those people are stopped at the border, there have been law, enforce- law enforcement agencies already watching them in the United States to stop them at the border before they get into Canada. How difficult was it to actually follow this particular gun? What kind of challenges did you run into? Well, we uh, got some of our answers from a tracing document by the ATF. And this trace document, um, they were able to use the serial number on the gun that was seized at the Lee St. Ross murder scene, which was the second uh, scene of the two. Um, through the serial number, if they just run it through their trace system, the information that it tells them is the original uh, license dealer or the vendor where it was sold. So this is where the ATF would have to then go back to that original source and figure out, okay, who purchased this gun and who was on record purchasing that gun. Now, we all know that after that original purchase, the gun could have changed hands many times, right? So you have to then look into um, were those firearm transfers all documented as they should be and legal? Um, And in this case, it wouldn't have been because you bring them into Canada where where these handguns are are illegally possessed anyway. So nothing is on record. Um, So the trace for us uh, starts in Michigan at a gun show um, just outside of of Detroit, about 20 minutes away in Taylor, Michigan. We actually traveled down there to the site where the gun show was. That building has since been demolished. But, you know, we didn't have to look far to find other gun shows because they happen every weekend in Michigan. Um, There are gun stores, about 4,000 actually licensed gun dealers, across the state. So to, to go to any gun store and gun show and get your hands on a firearm isn't difficult at all. Uh, but in terms of following the path of this one gun, we now know the original purchaser, but we don't know how many hands it passed through before it reached that first murder scene in London, Ontario, and then that second murder scene in Toronto. 
It's fascinating stuff, Tracy. I'm really looking forward to seeing the story tonight on Global News. And as I mentioned, it is online now. Great talking with you. Thanks so much. We look forward to sharing it with you. Thanks, Alan. That's Tracy Tong, Global News anchor, who has actually been my co-anchor for the last uh, six months or so. It's been great working with Tracy. Um, Now, Farah Nasser, who was away for a little while, is back and has returned. I hope you can join us tonight on Global News, uh, Farah and myself, as uh, we introduce Tracy's story on the path of the gun. And as I mentioned, that is online now on globalnews.ca.